you have undoubtedly heard me say it here on the podcast more than once. Start. Start now. Start small where you are with what you know and what you have. Today's guest on Veg Your Best did just that over the past year to create VegX.com. Today you'll hear my conversation with Stephanie Mathers. Stephanie's an educator, a blogger, grant writer, and an animal advocate. Vegan since 2012, Stephanie started VegX last year in 2020 with her partner Drew as a way of demonstrating that adventures can be done with compassion. Stephanie Mathers will tell us how developing VegX.com has given her the opportunity to visit and spotlight animal sanctuaries across the country and amplify the amazing work those sanctuaries are doing. Stephanie says that she and Drew are two vegan explorers on a quest to experience as much as possible of this beautiful world and to share through VegX.com cruelty-free adventures that benefit not only their own lives, but the lives of other beings as well. I hope you will get a little bit inspired today, inspired by Stephanie's energy, intelligence, and her passion to build something this past year that reflects her particular abilities and interests. And while you're listening, think about how right now there may be a blank space in the universe waiting for your unique skill set to fill it. Okay, let's listen to the creator of VegX.com. Stephanie Mathers, welcome, welcome, welcome to Bed Your Best. Thanks, Michelle. Great to be here. Well, it's great for me to have you here. You know, one of the missions of our of our podcast and of my life coaching is to try to feature different vegans and people who are moving in that direction, feature their businesses, feature their initiatives, their solutions, and their ideas. And so you were kind enough to join me on the podcast. And why don't you tell me a little bit about VegX? your website and your group and tell me how, how that came to be or what it is first. You choose. You choose. Sure. Well, I'll start with what and then I'll go into kind of how we did it. Great. So um, at VegX, we're a vegan adventure and lifestyle blog. And our mission is to show that a life full of adventure and exploration can be done with compassion. And it can also benefit not only our lives, but the lives of others. And within that mission, the greatest passion of the blog is to travel around the country, um, maybe eventually the world, and spotlight really deserving animal sanctuaries and organizations and the amazing work that they're doing. That's wonderful. All right. And so tell me now how you got started with this. What, what was the beginning? What was the uh, initial concept? Sure. So... 
I've been vegan since 2012. And um, after we talk about the blog, I'm happy to go into my vegan journey. But to focus on the blog, um, like many people during the pandemic, my partner Drew and I were working from home. We had less commute time. We were following all of the pandemic safety requirements and we just had extra time on our hands. So before the blog was even conceptualized, we kind of made um, a commitment as partners to do one day of exploring every week. We were gonna do a scenic drive, a hike, a picnic, go to a different park, something that would be outdoors and safe, just the two of us, but just represented something new. So that led to a variety of camping trips and we really enjoyed doing that. So fast forward to the fall of 2020, I approached Drew and told him, I really wanna do something creative and kind of channel my energy into a blog. And we brainstormed a couple different ideas. Um, we talked about financial independence, which is a huge side passion of mine, getting through difficult life circumstances, the outdoors and being vegan. And we talked through all those options. And so then we decided to do a hybrid of the vegan blog and the adventure blog. So we were trying to tie those two things together and thought, well, a small part of the blog could be spotlighting these animal sanctuaries across the country. And that ended up becoming a major focus of what we did and one of the most popular things that we've done on the blog. So um, that kind of took over the focus, but that's how we came up with the idea. And he is um, created the whole website he is a tech person, so he does all of the stuff on the website and the design, and then I do the writing and photography and promotions of the blog. That's great. So you, you're you one of the people that put the pandemic to very good use. Yes, tried to. <laughs> That's great. And so a vegan adventure blog. So sanctuaries were your first kind of um, subject matter for it? Um, the sanctuaries was just an idea of, hey, how can we tie veganism to adventure well we can travel to the sanctuaries but then you know adventure is so much more than just one thing so there's where do you eat what do you eat where do mm. you stay and the gear and all of those things can be done in a compassionate way you know you don't have to have leather hiking boots there's other awesome options there are vegan backpacking food companies. Um, it's just basically about taking the idea of adventure and showing how you can do it with a vegan spin. I think even just five years ago, there was kind of a stereotypical idea of what is a vegan. And that's just been broken wide open as becoming vegan has become more and more popular and mainstream. So I think we're trying to change that idea of, you know, camping's only for hunters or, you know, you can only go on adventures if you have this certain type of animal products with you. Anybody can do it. And being vegan has a lot of different faces to it. Well, that's wonderful. I, I agree. I think one of the reasons I am a public vegan is because I think I, in some ways, am not your typical vegan. I'm, I'm older. I'm kind of a, a former soccer mom, and now I'm kind of a soccer <laughs> grandmom. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we don't all have to have dreadlocks and uh, live in a live in a, a squat somewhere. So, no, I think that's great, and I do love that your your blog is beautiful. Your website's beautiful. Lots of beautiful color arranged very nicely, and I I see that you have the tags for people who are interested in coming at it with one particular um, emphasis, say whether it's travel or whether it's food and recipes and hiking. I think that's great. That's wonderful. 
So, um, so tell me, you said you became a vegan in what, 2012? Yeah, it's always hard to stay where it started, right? Yeah, sure. Um, I've always loved animals. I actually always wanted a dog. As a little kid, I even made a whole play where me and my brothers and sister got together and wrote this play about how we wanted a dog and it ended asking my mom for a dog. And of course she said no and everybody cried. Um, my parents were totally anti-pets. So I, I think one of the most important events was actually when I was 21, I adopted my first cat, Shakespeare. And that was when I got to experience just the bond that a person can have with an animal and um, their personalities. So back then I still ate meat, but I really kind of think adopting shakes was one of the, the first things that started the ball rolling. Um, the first time I tried going vegan <laughs> was actually in 2008. I watched a documentary called Food Inc. And um, back then there were not many vegan options, but I watched this documentary and I was gonna do it. Um, my cooking repertoire was the standard American diet. So I went to the one place where I thought I had seen vegan substitutes before in the side of the produce section of my local grocery store where you know they have wonton wrappers and tofu and then some super processed vegan meats back then. And um, I bought up all the options and tried to cook the exact same stuff that I cooked as a meat eater, but with the replacements and it was totally disgusting. <laughs> so that didn't last, I abandoned it. And then I got into community supported agriculture, which is where you pay for a farm chair and get a local box of whatever's in season. And so you basically have to learn to cook with whatever you're given from the farm chair. So this really opened up how I could cook and my creativity. And at that time I was kind of giving up one by one different animal proteins. I gave up beef, I gave up pork, I was working on chicken, fish and dairy. So all this stuff was kind of going on over those years. And then I asked for a book for my birthday called The Kind Diet by Alicia Silverstone. And my mom sent it to me and I thought it was just a cookbook, but there's actually about a hundred pages of animal agriculture information. And um, I read it and just the way she phrases it, um, the way Alicia writes it, she's not pushy, but she just kind of lays out the whys of being vegan. So I read that book summer of 2012 and decided to go vegan for 30 days. Um, I loved the way I felt and that's when I really made the commitment and never looked back. But like so many people, it was a process. There was at least one false start in there. And I think that's totally okay. And people need to know that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm glad you said that because that is part of the whole, there are people who go vegan overnight and that's awesome. But I think too many of us or too many of the people who aren't vegan think that that's how it should be or how it is if you are someone who can go vegan. That that if you have trouble, that it means, well, it's probably not going to work for you. So I think that's super, super great that you say that most of the people I know that are the most comfortable in their veganism did take a few steps to get there. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. And so in the meantime, so there's a long spread between when you become a vegan and when you begin VegX. So you had you had an, a normal life before you became a professional vegan? <laughs> yes, um, and I still am actually in education, uh, the education industry. Um, VegX is a, a passion project right now and we're just building it, you know? Um, like you say in a lot of your coaching, start right now, you know, start doing something every day. And I definitely, that's the, um, that's the way I've approached the blog. Um, so 
when I became vegan, I did start to do a lot with animal sanctuaries, just on a personal level. I started doing some volunteering, uh, some grant writing, and got to know several sanctuaries in the area, and then a few people who went on to make sanctuaries in other states, but just have always kind of had my foot in that community and been really drawn to it. And so there was a lot to draw from when we started the blog. It wasn't starting from scratch or anything like that. There were a lot of connections that had already been made over the years. I see. And so what was your first animal sanctuary that you were involved with? How did that, how did that uh, proceed for you? Well, when I went vegan, I knew that it, it was going to be hard. I mean, even though I had all the whys, I think most people, that because you're doing something that, especially 10 years ago, was so different from what the mainstream is doing. So you get questioned on it a lot. You're going to doubt yourself or there's going to be times when you go to a restaurant and there's only fries. So it's really important to refresh yourself on the whys as much as possible. So I knew I was going to need that, just knowing my personality. So I reached out to what was called Ching Farm Sanctuary, which is one of the most well-known sanctuaries in our area. It has since changed directors and it's now called the Clementine Ranch. But because I was in education, I had summer availability and I started volunteering one day a week, just filling up waters and scooping out manure and all the things that sanctuaries really need done and really loved it. And it gave me the chance to interact with more types of animals. And where are you located? Tell us where you're located and where the uh, sanctuary is. So we're based out of Utah. Um, we are just north of Salt Lake, and Clementine Ranch is in Harriman, Utah, which is about 20 minutes south of Salt Lake. Okay, but some of the uh, sanctuaries you have visited are quite far afield, right? Yes, we have so far been to eight sanctuaries with a couple more scheduled out. We're pretty much scheduled out for 2020 or 2021, which is fantastic. Um, we were not comfortable flying. Um, we're just starting to get to the point where we would be comfortable getting on an airplane. So all of the sanctuaries that we've done so far, we have driven to. So we've done some in Utah, California, and Nevada. And then we have some Arizonas scheduled out later in this year. And hopefully we'll be able to branch out even further when we can feel great getting on a plane, which we're almost there. So for our audience, what is wonderful about visiting a sanctuary? And if you want to, how do you go about visiting a sanctuary? Great question. So there are so many reasons to visit a sanctuary. There's the service reason, because a lot of times you might be going for a volunteer day, a group project, and you're able to provide a much needed service. Um, one sanctuary that I went to, not for VegEx, but we were building a chicken coop. Um, and I had no experience in that, but I can use a staple gun. So it was totally successful. Um, so if you're into service, it's a great way to give back to something that you care about. Um, the connections with the animals. So for me, it is about animals. Um, I definitely think animals have personalities and souls and all that good stuff. So I really value the interaction with animals and some sanctuaries will have you do more interaction than others. It is really important to point out that no sanctuary is a petting zoo and they have different animals who've been through trauma. So you know, often certain animals you will not be allowed to interact with and some you will be allowed to just depending on the personalities of the animals. Um, and then also learning and getting information is another reason 
why you wanna visit sanctuaries. And this is something where my world has been blown open because of the different types of sanctuaries we've been to. When people start thinking, okay, you're gonna go visit sanctuaries. So you'll see cows, pigs, and goats or whatever the perception might be. But one of the sanctuaries we profiled, Safe Haven Wildlife Sanctuary, rescues literally lions, tigers, and bears from the animal entertainment industry. Um, so you're learning all about things I had no idea of. So for example, white Siberian tigers, there's actually no such thing as a separate breed called a white Siberian tiger. There was one Siberian tiger back in the 50s found in the wild and every single white tiger you see in the entertainment industry has been inbred down that one line. So as a result, they have cleft palate issues, spinal issues, most of them cannot see. Things that just, I, I mean, I never would have learned that if I hadn't visited Safe Haven. And all the sanctuaries we've been to are totally different. There was a wild Mustang rescue. So I learned all about the plight of wild horses, especially in Utah. Those are just a couple examples, but just learning more and more information. I mean, once you get passionate about something like being vegan, I think you enjoy learning more about it. So I would say, you know, service and the interaction with the animals and the knowledge would be the main reasons I would say. Um, and in terms of how to go about, it totally depends on the sanctuary. So some sanctuaries will only allow visits to volunteers. And there's typically weekly volunteers, and then there would also be volunteers for one-time projects. Other sanctuaries have really robust tour programs. So Charlie's Acres in California, which we recently visited, anyone can go on and book a private tour for a required donation. They have people who their whole role at Charlie's Acres is to give these tours. And it was one of the most well-organized tours that we've been on. Um, other sanctuaries that are just starting up, it's gonna be a completely different experience. You're just gonna be walking through the pastures with the directors. So you would just wanna look up the sanctuary on their, whatever their socials are or their webpage and then see what their process is. Is there a way of knowing whether, and this may be outside of your interest or, or knowledge area, but whether a sanctuary is um, ethical or, I mean, are, is there any kind of a um, accreditation of, of sanctuaries or a, a federation of them? There are some accreditation groups. Um, it really does depend on what type of sanctuary you're looking to visit. So the wildlife sanctuaries are gonna have different accreditation programs than the more farm sanctuaries are. Um, so one of the best groups is called the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. And they have over 500 animal care standards depending on what animals you're dealing with. So for example, with big cats, you have to have an enclosure of at least you know, 10,000 square feet. If it's a smaller animal, you can have a smaller enclosure and they do visits and it's a very rigorous vetting process. And that is one of the um, safe haven wildlife sanctuary that I mentioned is accredited by them. The biggest things you wanna watch out for one would be what we call in the vegan community roadside zoos. So anywhere where you're paying to hold baby animals, especially uh, like things like bears and wolves and tigers and lions, this is a really big red flag. So typically they are making a profit and what they're doing is conditioning the animals 
to humans to be held and snuggled and to want to approach humans. And then later, a lot of those animals, and th this is a little bit disturbing um, for anybody who's listening and is a little bit sensitive, but then they use those animals in hunts so people can pay to hunt those lions and tigers who've been conditioned to come up to humans and they're very easily killed for trophies. So um, roadside petting zoos are what those are typically called and you definitely wanna watch out for that. Um, another thing to look for is simply, do they have their nonprofit status? Do they have their 501c3? That usually is a pretty good indication. Um, it's not fail safe. So for example, there are some wildlife groups that are for hunting. <laughs> and the reason why they're for hunting is they believe that helps preserve. So that's something that typically vegans are not gonna wanna be associated with those particular nonprofits. So you do have to kind of do your research. Um, PETA has a lot of information on their website about different nonprofits and things like that. Um, the other thing I would say is there are private rescues out there that are very reputable. There was one that um, we visited, uh, the Ritzy Rescue Rancher, and it's totally private in that they don't have a governing board of directors, but they're still, everything's above board. The animals have excellent care standards, um, and they're just in the process of getting that nonprofit designation. So just because they don't have a nonprofit doesn't mean they're not worthy of your interest or support, but that can be a good thing to look for. That's great. That's great information for people. I don't. I chatted with Anna Borini from um, Vine Sanctuary in Vermont, and she talked. She also kind of cautioned us about the idea that it's it's not a zoo environment. You're not there to just look at animals. That you are being invited into their homes, into their into their uh, environment. And um, you either are part of the solution in terms of helping and helping support them, um, or you can just stay away, <laughs> basically. And I thought that was really an interesting thing because I think so many of us have ambivalent feelings, but we loved going to zoos or we loved sharing zoos with our kids. And to really like when you go vegan, so many things become obvious to you that weren't obvious for a long time. Zoos and petting zoos, um, wildlife sanctuaries are all of a different kind. It's super great information for you to share with us. Yeah, thanks. And I listened to that um, podcast with the Vine Sanctuary. That was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was one of the, she was out in the middle of the, uh, the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about when you put together your website and you have the blog, what are you hoping to um, help your readers with or people who are downloading? What are you helping them with? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, we have a section on the blog called Veg 101, which is just kind of if if you found your way to the website because you're into camping, but then you're like, oh, well, I've always thought about becoming vegan. That section has things like our favorite books, cookbooks, um, things to think about when you're going vegan, that type of information, the whys of being vegan, documentaries. So we're hoping that that's just a really approachable resource for people who may not really have any goal in mind, but they're just curious. Alicia Silverstone talks a lot about flirting with veganism. She's like, if you think about when you're flirting, it's fun. There's no commitment. You, you know, it's just kind of here or there. And she talks about flirting with vegan foods or vegan documentaries. Like you can just try a little bit here and there, have fun with it and see where it goes. 
And then with the sanctuary part, our goal is really to amplify the voices of these sanctuaries to get more people interested in them. And this was something that was talked about a little bit on Vine Sanctuary. But one thing a lot of people don't understand about social media is that there's an algorithm that goes with it. So if I post something on my personal Instagram, it's not gonna go to everybody who follows me. It's gonna go to 20% of my core followers according to Instagram's computer program. So maybe my mom and my best friend back in Michigan, they're gonna see it. Now, if they scroll past it, then that's not gonna go out to anyone else. If they like it, if they share it, if they post it on their story, then all of a sudden it gets blasted out to all my followers. And if it's really, really popular, maybe even people who don't follow me. So one of the biggest things people can do to help these sanctuaries is to simply, while you're in the middle of your scrolling anyway, find a couple of the sanctuaries or nonprofits that are related to animal welfare that you love and actually interact. Don't just scroll by. Because when you just scroll by, it's called an impression. And then if you haven't done anything, it doesn't look like it's a popular post. So like it share it, comment on it. Saving a post is actually really huge for the algorithm. And those things make it so we're not just, we're not just doing it to like cute pig photos, but of course we all love cute pig photos. But if you like the cute pig photo and interact with it and the following grows, then when the sanctuary has to ask for donations for a new fence, more people are part of their network and will see the things that they're doing. So I think there are a lot of people who would love to help a sanctuary, you know, whether it's buying them something off an Amazon wish list or just giving them five bucks on a $5 Friday. They just don't know how they don't see the information coming to them because these sanctuaries can't pay for ads on social media. So we need to help amplify them. And that's one of the goals of writing these blog posts that will really make people see the great stories behind the sanctuaries, the awesome work they're doing, and to want to help them out. That's great. And that, that was very surprising information to me that that is actually appreciated by the sanctuaries, even just liking, saving, forwarding, sharing, that that actually helps. And, I, and as I've thought about it, of course, because also I, I understand you're a grant writer or is that your partner's a grant writer? Yeah. So in terms of trying to um, interest other people in supporting the mission, that's helpful too, right? If you have a lot of followers and a lot of interaction on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is something part of our sister company that we do. Um, we write grants for any, any organization that's part of the greater good, you know, nonprofits, it can be animal sanctuaries or others. Um, and that does help support the blog because of course, running a blog with the kind of pictures that we have, which are really high quality pictures, it's not a free um, hosting. We do incur costs just to keep the blog up and running. That's right. So tell me, how can some of our listeners help support your mission? Even if, you know, even if it's just a little bit on the periphery or just going, <laughs> huh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder, I'll take a look at that. How could they support you? Sure. Well, we would love to have anyone check us out. The blog is vegx.com, V-E-G-X.com. And we'd love to have you guys subscribe to our email list. When you subscribe to our email list, you'll get all the posts and then you'll get a monthly newsletter with all things vegan and adventure. And we're on all of the social medias as well. So our username on all the socials is vegxblog, just V-E-G-X-B-L-O-G. 
That would be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. You can email us info at veg-x.com. And if you do visit the blog um, and you read any of our Sanctuary Spotlight posts, you'll see ways to donate to those sanctuaries and or just interact with them. You'll also see ways to donate to us if you would like to get more involved in supporting the Sanctuary Spotlights. Um, we do take personal donations and we're also looking to partner with companies who maybe want to sponsor a Spotlight post. That helps us cover the costs of just travel and we always give a donation to the sanctuary as well just for their time and effort of showing us around and communicating with us so we'd, we'd love to interact with any of you guys in any of those ways that's wonderful i think people will be interested but i also noticed that your partner uh he's the tech person in, mm -hmm. in the team and i see he also um wants to offer his skills for vegan companies is that what you're saying in terms of seo or search engine optimization and uh, website development is that correct yes he builds um websites both basic websites and websites with detailed things like booking systems and e-commerce and uh, he does offer a 25 percent discount to all sanctuaries um, we also offer social media management and grant writing. So we do all of that through our sister company, Nomasite. Um, and for any service, we do have 25% off for any sanctuaries who need a website um, or need some help just getting social media out there or want some help with grants. You know, I love that you have got this niche to, uh, to support, which works for your, obviously your your personal beliefs, but also, I mean, it's, it's, it's paying, probably paying the rent and probably paying the bills. And it's also probably a growth, creative growth area for you. Um, I, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, um, I think are interested in how could I use my veganism or my plant-based lifestyle to, um, to grow in a certain way. Do you have any advice for people in terms of how they can maybe use that, that interest in how they eat or how they consume or how they live on this planet to um, feel empowered in trying something brand new, something that doesn't maybe exist yet? I love that question so much. Well, I think the first thing is just to know that the interest in veganism has never been greater. So if you do have those passions, the idea of being able to create something from that the interest is there now. It's just, it's becoming more mainstream. And a lot of people are just kind of turning their head and looking and seeing what's over there in terms of veganism. Um, what worked for me, and I'm, I'm at the beginning of this journey, you know, is just to have the confidence in your heart of what you want to do. And you just have to start doing it. You know, I just started writing blog posts and I asked Drew, I said, hey, this is what I envisioned the site to look like, can you just, you know, mock something up? And in three days, I mean, he was at his computer for three days straight, pretty much. <laughs> and then he came back with this amazing site. I mean, there's been very few tweaks to what he designed because it was just so beautiful. Um, and then I just started reaching out to sanctuaries. Like, hey, can I come to your sanctuary and learn about what you do and tell people about it? And the first sanctuary I reached out to, I did have a connection with. So she was like, oh yeah, of course. But then ever since then, it's just been, I mean, you know, shooting in the dark. And finally, we're at the point now where we're actually having sanctuaries approach us like, oh, you're Veg X. Hey, could you come to our sanctuary? But that never would have happened had we been like, oh, well, let's 
think about it and draw up a huge plan and get really cerebral about it. No, we just started doing it. And um, we're still learning a lot and we still have a long way to go. There's a lot that we want to do for the blog and for animals and we're really excited, but um, you have to start somewhere. Stephanie, that's so important. And you were saying before we started rolling today that starting with what you have, where you are, and kind of letting letting it evolve a little bit because you can never know what you need to know before you start. I mean, it's just really impossible. Maybe with mathematics, I'm not sure. <laughs> but not in the real world, not when you're creating something. I think it's, um, so it's, I hope that anybody listening um, first of all, all the share and contact details will be in the show notes. So if nobody has to remember or be trying to uh, scroll back, they'll all be there. But I hope that anyone listening who's looked for that little extra prod to um, bring your veganism, bring your plant-based lifestyle, bring your, and even if it's from something else, any bring that extra something special that's important to you into the world. It really can be done. It really, and, and, and the world needs you. The world needs our listeners to all go, you know what, I don't know how, but let me just start. And to kind of communicate with other people who've, who've done something like that, I think most of us are very happy to nurture each other and share with each other and give each other a pep talk when they need one. So I think, that, I think that's tremendous. What else should we know about VegX before I let you go, Stephanie? Um, I think just that what we're all about is to be gentle to all things. That's the animal, the earth, and your body, and all of that can be accomplished with a vegan lifestyle. It's, you're not depriving yourself of, of anything. Um, it's just, it's been so meaningful to us to be living this way and being able to work with sanctuaries. I'm so grateful to all the sanctuaries who have opened their doors to us, um, the only other thing I want to mention, which is kind of a, a fun thing that we've noticed, is of the eight sanctuaries that we have visited, and one we have scheduled, every single one is run or co-run by an extremely strong female. Now, I know that there are uh, farm sanctuaries out there that are run by men, and this is nothing against those amazing men, um, but my naturopath that I work with has always said, the Western women will change the world because we do have an element of privilege, you know, in first world countries, we've been able to get educated. We've been able to have resources and become financially independent without men. Um, but we also have that yin, that compassion, that nurturing. And it's something really unique that I've noticed with all these sanctuaries is in many cases, it's just awesome, passionate women um, using this as a way to change the world, not just for the animals that are there, but of anybody who will be inspired by them. That's beautiful. I really, I, uh, that's part of the mission here too, is to tr try to use the resources I have for this mission. I see that you're doing the same thing. And I think that's really interesting. I do think that um, women, mothers, grandmothers are in a really um, important situation. We have so much influence that some of us don't remember how much we have. Um, there's people that want to be with us, that do look up to us, and that do listen in a different way, sometimes maybe, than to corporate um, women. So there's our, our kind of more, um, uh, we come at it maybe more sideways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So, um, Stephanie, give us the quick details again. So it's VegX, veg, V-E-G dash X.com. Yes. And um, any sanctuaries that you're looking to visit on uh, the coast? Well, we have a lot more in California to go to. We've we recently did a trip where we were able to get to two. Um, and then we have Ziggy's Refuge because I am friends with the directors there. They're in the Carolinas. They are on my radar. It's just whenever I can get on a plane. And then, I mean, every single state in this country has farm rescues. A lot of times people don't know about them, but um, small, emerging, or large. So if there are any sanctuary directors listening and you're interested in getting on our list, just reach out to me, info at veg-x.com, and we'll be in contact so that we can schedule. Um, We definitely want to work with sanctuaries who are eager to have us, so they always go to the top of the list. That's excellent. I hope I hope there are a couple listening. I think at least one. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your mission. And I will make sure that everybody uh, through the show notes can uh, find you and all your different platforms. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Stephanie. So what did you think? What did you think of Stephanie? You know, today's interview with Stephanie Mathers is just one part of my mission here at Veg Your Best. My mission here to help people move towards a vegan lifestyle and to help vegans take on their next impossible goal. So through my coaching practice and through this podcast, the Veg Your Best method's designed to encourage all of us to create something, to build something, to initiate something that wasn't there before. And whether you are vegan or plant-based or just starting to lean into limiting the consumption of animal products, I believe that you have something special to create in a way that only you can create it. Listen, there are billions of dollars at work trying to get you me, all of us, to consume. I'm asking you, on behalf of all of us, to give some equal time to creating. Because I believe that when you start to opt out of the standard Western diet and you stop consuming animals unconsciously, you also start seeing the world a bit differently. You start to see things you just couldn't see before. It happened to me. It's happened to most of the people that I work with. So go follow Stephanie Mathers at vegx.com. V-E-G dash X dot com. All the links to their social media are in the show notes. And if you know a vegan or plant-based creator who should be featured here on Veg Your Best, let me know. And in the meantime, remember, start. Start now. Start small. Where you are with what you know, with what you have. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team 
you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.